The Lunar Club was created for spirit-first conversations that honor the divine feminine in us all. If you're craving more depth and authenticity in your life, then the Lunar Club can provide the medicine that you're looking for. My hope for you is to feel a little more loved and a little more connected every time you listen to one of these conversations. There's power in connection. There's power in our stories. Have fun and enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Rhiannon. This is the very first episode of the Lunar Club podcast. And I have to say, I actually feel a little nervous right now. And I think I'm nervous because I've been thinking about this project for a really long time. I've been grappling with it. I've started it. I've recorded episodes and I've never put them out into the world. And I have to say that I think that's a good place to start. This place where us women, we question ourselves. We question if the things that we have to say matter. We question if we should speak up in spaces or if we should try and blend in. And so I think that this podcast and this journey that we're going to go on together week by week is going to be this unfolding, this understanding that our stories, well, they do matter. They matter more than we think. And our connection to each other is more apparent every single time we choose to be honest. So for today, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you who I am. I want to know who you are. And I hope that we can learn together. I hope that we can grow together. So my name is Rhiannon. A lot of people define me and have defined me for the last 10 years of my life as the CEO and president of the Economic Club of Canada. And I have to tell you that that label was very uncomfortable for me to hold and for me to own. It didn't make any sense. And what was really interesting is as I started to get more comfortable in my leadership over the years, and we'll get to it, I'll tell you the whole story, but as I started to get more comfortable in my own skin, as I started to get more comfortable with this idea that I was a leader of this very important and prominent platform, things started to unfold in a different way. That comfort that I started to feel, well, I think it made other people feel comfortable. And soon I realized that almost every single event that we hosted across the country, every time I took to a podium at the end of an event, I'd have this lineup of women. And they'd be standing there and they'd be saying, wow, seeing you up there made me feel something today. Can we talk? Can we meet? Can we have tea? And in the beginning, I would meet and talk and fill up a lot of my calendar doing that. But soon it started to get to the point where I couldn't keep up. And so Lunar Club was born. Lunar Club became a place and a space for us women to gather, us who felt connected to the feminine us who felt connected and having conversations that ran deeper than spreadsheets and, you know, business rhetoric. It was a place for us to be human. And it was a place for me to be human. 
And so over the course of this series, you're going to hear clips of conversations that have already been had. You're going to hear conversations that have yet to be had. And I really hope that you feel connected and more alive after listening to them. I know I do. So let's get to it. How did I become the president of the Economic Club of Canada? What is the Economic Club of Canada? What is any of it? The Economic Club has been known for a long time in this country as kind of an old boys club. It's a place where very senior level politicians and economists gather to talk about important issues impacting the economy. And for me, as a young woman who was raised in a very different environment than the people that I found myself surrounded by, I think it was a bit rebellious for me to even be in the room. I was raised in Toronto. My mom was a single mom. My dad left really early after I was born. And we struggled. And my grandmother stepped in and helped raise me. There was a lot of financial issues in the home. There were addiction issues. I, at one point, was living with a couple of uncles, my grandmother. My mom was in and out. I was an only child. I was trying to make my way, find my way. In the beginning, that way was actually through business, although I had no idea that that's even what I was doing. I started my first dog walking and dog training company when I was 10 years old in my community. I did it because I wanted to be able to go and buy pizza with my friends. And so my best friend and I, we made this little flyer and we were going door to door, knocking on people's doors and singing a song to the tune of locomotion around if people had a dog and if they wanted us to walk it. You know, back then, people never, ever talked about entrepreneurship as, you know, a viable thing that you could aspire to do or be. I just thought that I was, I don't know, just a regular kid. I never really realized that I was displaying these qualities so early. Um, And I wish that I had have known. I wish that someone had have told me um, or pointed out to me that I had some kind of skill or ability because the way I felt growing up was like a nobody. I felt like I was really stupid. I struggled in school. My grades were never very good. You know, there was just so much happening in my household and so much emotionally that I was holding that I found it really hard to concentrate. I felt like I was someone who was kind of pushed kind of through the system, slipped through the cracks a little bit. And that started to catch up to me. And by the time I was about 12 or 13, the one thing that I was really certain about was that I wanted to feel like I could escape. I wanted to numb so early. I remember trying to roll joints. I didn't have any access to marijuana at this point, but I was literally just taking household tea and rolling it in envelopes, which sounds ridiculous. I was 12, but I wanted to get high. I wanted to get out of my skin. I continued to kind of seek and look for places to put my hurt and my pain. I started experimenting just 
like I said, so early with all of these things. And by 13, I was, you know, getting some real weed and I was getting stoned and I was meeting older friends and I just was constantly looking for something. I just didn't know what it was. Maybe it was myself. I'm not sure. My first awakening experience that I had in my life was at 15 years old. Now, this was a big year for me. It was right after completing grade 10, and I had completely failed out of school. There was a lot going on that year. My mom had been in a relationship with a man uh, from when I was about three until I was about 15, and this was the year that he passed away from his alcoholism. This was also the year that my uncle, who was also, you know, a prominent male figure in my life, was hospitalized for his alcoholism. And this was the year that everything kind of changed. And I had been living on my own at my mom's apartment for about a half a year at that point. And I had gotten involved with a group of people that were much older than me that, you know, seemed to be way cool or so I thought at the time but they were broken and they were doing different kinds of drugs stronger drugs and so I started to experiment with these different drugs I started to rave I started to just do a lot of things that a young girl doesn't usually find herself doing at this point in age and by 15 I had failed out of school entirely And I was really on a path to repeat a cycle, a cycle of brokenness that I had found myself surrounded by my entire life. And I remember this day so clearly. I woke up and it had been like a crazy party that night before. And I woke up and I went to the washroom and I, you know, my eyes were still dilated from the night before. And I was washing my hands and I just stared at myself and I looked at myself in the mirror and I looked at my own eyes and it was like I couldn't look away and I could just see something in my face something that was so foreign but so familiar at the same time it was this look that was in the eyes and the glare back from my mom and my grandmother. It was all the stress of the world all folded up in a tiny girl's body. And I felt in that moment like I couldn't breathe. Like I knew everything and nothing all at once. And I ran out of the apartment and I just felt like I had to get outside. I had to get into air. I had to get into nature. I took a pen and a piece of paper and I ran and ran and ran. And I got into a big open field and I threw myself down and I started to sob. And I knew that I didn't want to be that person that I had become. I knew I didn't want to follow that path that I was already starting to forge. And so I took my pen and I took my paper and I started to make notes for myself, promises to myself. And I promised myself that I would change. I promised myself that I would get off of these drugs. And I promised myself that I would finish high school, be the first in my family to do that and to go to school. I made a 
pact with myself and I realized that there was no other way that I was going to get out of this than by doing my own work. And so that day I made that commitment to myself and I got to tell you, it was hard. It felt wrong. It felt raw. I lost a lot of friends. I, you know, had to move into an entirely different school. We had to beg to get back into school because I was in the year of what they called the double cohort. So the year underneath me was a new curriculum. It was when they took out grade 13. So I was the last year of grade 13 and they really didn't want to let me go into grade 11 because I had failed all of grade 10, but they couldn't put me in grade 10 because it was a literally brand new curriculum. So they basically let me back into grade 11 on the premise that I would do my grade 11 courses and that I would write all of the grade 10 exams at the same time in order to continue on the track that I was on. And I would have to take summer school and night school and all of these different things to try and catch up for all that I had lost. So I got back into school and I started to work towards, I guess, becoming this other version of me. And although it was, you know, I was doing it in in some degree, I was also still running from a lot of pain that I just never, ever dealt with. And so somehow, some way, I made it through school. I was the first person in my family to graduate high school. And I drank my way through it. I had stopped the drugs, but my anxiety was just so deep and I had really bad social kind of panic disorder. So having a couple of beers before going out just felt like the only way to kind of manage. And a lot of the times when I was in rooms with a lot of other students that were normal, I guess, or came from normal families or, you know, just had a more regular childhood, I felt like I had to pretend Like I was lighter than I was, like I was happier than I was, like I knew less than I did. You know, the the maturity level of the people around me, it just didn't seem to match all the things that I had already seen and done and been through in the world. And so there was always this disconnect where I felt like I was with everyone and not all at the same time. And I had all this shame and stuff to hide of my past or where I'd come from, but wanted so desperately to fit in. By the time I finished high school and had the opportunity to go to university, I felt like the weight of the world was in some ways on my shoulders because this was it. It was my chance. I had fought to get here and now I was here. I was going to university. I was doing this thing that nobody else in my family had ever done. And to me, I was like, is this what breaking a cycle means? Is this what breaking a system apart means? In the beginning for those first couple of months in school, all I was trying to do was ensure that nobody realized who I was. Nobody realized how honestly, and this is what I thought, stupid I was because I still grappled with that. But as I started to take more and more classes that deeply interest me, I started to forget about comparing myself and just got entrenched with the actual work, with the actual study. I started to really, really find an interest in studying systems of oppression. I started to be so interested in feminist theory and indigenous theory, sociology, I mean, psychology, all of it. It just interested me. 
And as I began to expand my own horizon through my education, I started to get this sense about me, like I could be something, like I could do something. I didn't know what that was, but I just kind of felt different in my bones. But I was still struggling. I was still struggling with alcohol. Um, I was working two to three jobs to pay my way through school. And I had this really beautiful pattern of kind of doing this all or nothing thing where I would study and do everything that I did. And then I would black out. And I would not party with people in school because I didn't trust myself to keep it together. So I would do it at home. I would drink by myself or with my partner at the time and I would just completely black out every time. And every single time that I did go out with a group of people, I would take it way too far and I would end up feeling shameful and guilty and anxiety ridden for days after. And so this was the cycle that I played for a long, long time. It was like two different personalities all wrapped up into one. So on and on, I get to my last year of university and it's this final assignment that I have for a class that I really, really loved. The class was on this topic called corporate citizenship. And it was this idea that corporations or through business, we could find mechanisms or ways to solve social issues, community issues. And I was always interested in business, but felt so much more connected to this idea of being on the ground and part of community and, you know, activism and everything else. But this class kind of blended these two interests of mine. And it was so weird because we had a vote to see what would be the big kind of topic that we would grapple as a class. And it ended up being poverty. And so we decided that we were going to do this research project where we were going to try and find ways to alleviate poverty in the city of Toronto using a corporate citizenship lens or model. And my particular group, so we were all broken out, my group was to capture the voice of poverty in Toronto, to actually speak to people who are experiencing poverty and to get their insight and opinion. Now, I hadn't really talked very openly about the way that I had grown up. I was really trying to blend in. And I do say that understanding more the privilege of my whiteness, because I am a white woman, I think I blend in um, in, a, in an interesting way where people couldn't really peg me. I think some people thought that I was, you know, born and raised in, I don't know, Forest Hill. I don't know what people thought, but it was this moment where I decided that I was going to reveal myself. And I told my colleagues that I was working on the project just a little bit about my life. And they ended up, we ended up interviewing a couple of my family members even for this project. And they decided that it should be me that presented our research findings at the big final event that was happening at the university campus where all of these you know, business leaders and politicians had been invited to come. It was kind of a big deal. And it was about three weeks before I was writing my final exams to graduate and this was you know, a capstone project. So I get up on that day, that morning of this big event we're about to go do our research findings. I have this old stitches, like really hoey, slutty dress <laughs> that literally has the boob part 
part cut out of it and I put that on and it kind of looks like a pencil skirt and then I took like a blouse that I used to wear when I was serving banquets and stuck on a uh, blazer that I got from Forever 21 that was super cheap and I was like wow I'm like a businesswoman this is really amazing and I marched down and I went to the class If you hear giggling, I have a few people helping me here, so it's all good. But I went down and we presented our research findings. And I tell you even the details of what I wore because I want you to understand that what was presented on the outside and what it was actually made of are two very different things. And that kind of sums up my life. So I got up and I presented my story and I presented our research And afterwards, I had a lot of people that wanted to talk to me. And I was surprised by that. And there was one man in particular that came up to me. And he was so professional. And he had this, you know, business suit on and whatever else. And he said, hi, I think you're fantastic. And I am, you know, a board member of the Economic Club of Toronto. And we're looking to hire an entry-level event coordinator. And I just want to give you my card. And if you're interested, you know, I know you're graduating soon. You should get in touch because I'm sure our CEO would like to sit down with you. And I was like, what the heck? I took this card. I was like, this is so wackety woo. I left feeling on such a high that day. I was so excited. I didn't even really know about what. But I definitely didn't ever expect myself to be working for a place called the Economic Club of Toronto. I didn't even know what that was. And I really considered just kind of you know, stuffing the business card away in my bag and never looking at it again. But it almost was burning a hole in my pocket. And when I got home, I started to research the organization and it looked exactly opposite of anything I've ever wanted to do in my entire life. It looked very conservative. It looked very serious. It didn't speak to me really at all. At this point, I had applied to do my master's and I had received early acceptance. Actually, I was going to do an MA in literature and I had kind of determined that I was going to write for a zine and do social advocacy work. And so this was kind of who I, who I had identified myself as at this point. But something in me told me that I should check it out. And so I ended up against, you know, my own impulse to not. I ended up reaching out to the man that gave me the card and saying, I'm open to meeting the CEO if that's still an option. And very quickly thereafter, I had a scheduled interview. And so I put my same business suit (laughs) that was piled together with the, you know, really super revealing lycra spandex dress and the banquets blouse and the whatever and I went in to meet the CEO of the Economic Club of Toronto and I remember going in there and I had done so much studying and researching beforehand so I could kind of sound like I knew what I was talking about and I don't know what it was but I just felt this feeling inside of me that told me that if I got the opportunity, if the job was presented to me, that I should take it. And the job was presented to me and I took it. And I deferred going back to school and doing my master's. And a few weeks later, I was 
at the Economic Club of Toronto as an entry-level event coordinator. And my first day on the job, and this is like three weeks from graduating university, we were hosting Bill Clinton, (laughs) the president of the United States, former at the time, but still. It was just so wildly strange. And I remember being in this huge room. I think I was still wearing that dress, by the way. I hadn't, you know, gone out and been able to get much yet. I was like a struggling student financially, just getting started. And so here I was in this room and I just thought, how in the world does somebody like me end up in a room like this and why? It just seems so so bizarre that there had to be a bigger meaning and a bigger purpose to it. So fast forward because I have to, and this story is out there, but I just started, you know, working as this entry level event coordinator. And I started to drink in everything I possibly could about the organization. I was, you know, all of a sudden watching you know, BNN every morning and I was trying to learn all of these different pieces and who everyone was and, you know, CEOs of this company and that company. And I was just trying to get a sense of everything and understand it. And my naivety, I think, was, you know, my best asset because I didn't know who these people were. So I didn't know who to be intimidated by and who wasn't. Everyone kind of appeared the same to me, which I don't mean in a disrespectful way, but just Uh, you know, power was power, suits were suits, and I was me. And I just decided I was going to be positive. I was going to work hard. I was going to prove that I was the right person for the job and, you know, continue to validate that. And over the course of the next few months, I was keeping notes by the side of my desk of ideas that I had for the organization. And I finally mustered up the courage to ask the CEO and president if he would hear out my ideas one day. And he said yes. And we scheduled you know, a 15-minute conversation that happened after a day's work. And I basically approached him and said that I loved the organization and that I was really having fun and learning a lot. And I thought that it would be a really great idea if he rebranded his company from the Economic Club of Toronto to the Economic Club of Canada. And he kind of looked at me like, what the heck? Like, who is this kid telling me what to do? And he asked me a whole bunch of questions as to why and how and everything else. And by the end of the meeting, he had sort of agreed to let me, with the oversight of the board and whatever else, start to implement some of these ideas. And so I started to implement them. And then again, life kind of unfolded. A few weeks later, it was during the height of the U.S. election. Obama was running for the first time against John McCain. And John McCain, who was the Republican nominee, decided he wanted to speak in Canada during the election, which had never happened before. It was history in the making. And they wanted to obviously go to the nation's capital, Ottawa. And they chose us, the Economic Club of Canada. And we had just literally put the name on the website. And it was really huge for the organization. And all of a sudden, the executive leadership team of the Economic Club started to pay more attention to me and my ideas. And I, again, with my own naivety, had no problem calling up whoever and trying to pitch them on you know sponsorship or speaker ideas because I just was so green that I didn't even realize to the level of what it was. And I kept 
gaining more and more success. And all of a sudden, I was starting to become a bit more of an asset in the organization. And in a you know short while, I was being promoted and promoted very quickly. And soon I was really the right hand to the president. I was doing all of their, you know, strategic sales. I was the lead on all of the major events. And when I say major, I mean, we were hosting prime ministers and presidents from around the world and, you know, huge delegations of very senior leaders. And I was kind of there drinking in this history. It was really, really interesting and and fun. Although I felt like I was trying to play a role. I was trying to fit into a world that I was still only just understanding, but somehow things were just lining up. And eventually a few years later, the CEO decided that he wanted to run for public office himself. So he was going to run in the upcoming federal election. And obviously those things take time. So he and his wife decided that this was going to happen. And they approached me and asked me if I would be willing to step in and help run the organization while he focused on his election. I said yes. At this time, I was quite comfortable. I was doing a lot there. And so I said yes, but never, ever, ever expected that he would win or that I would somehow end up running the organization in its entirety. But as the story goes, he won. The election was snap called. This was in 2011. I just so happened to be nine months pregnant with my first child when it all was said and done. He was elected on May 2nd. I had my son on May 23rd and I became the CEO, first ever woman, 26 years old of the Economic Club of Canada. And what the fuck? Such a crazy, crazy moment. And all of a sudden, all that confidence that I had felt in the years leading up to this of me feeling like I was understanding the business and feeling more momentum and being recognized, all of a sudden, all of that was gone in a snap, in an instant. And the reason why was because I did not know how to embody the CEO of the economic club in my form. I didn't know how to be that and be me and look like me and sound like me and be the age that I was and all of these things. It just was like almost embarrassing. And this is all my own insecurity, but it played out. People started to be way more dismissive of me in the beginning. I struggled to kind of find my confidence and my footing. I had a lot going on at home. Obviously, I just had a new child and it was just a lot. It was a really hard year. My husband at the time that year was also diagnosed with leukemia and there was just a lot happening. And there was many moments that I felt like I couldn't do it and that I couldn't hold on and I couldn't hang on. And I didn't even know why I was there anymore. But again, this gut feeling, this gut instinct told me to stay and to figure it out. I ended up that year starting the junior economic club because I needed something to anchor me. I needed something to make this make sense for me. And so I started the junior economic club because I was like, if I'm going to be here, at least let me fight for other young people or other women or other 
you know, people who wouldn't normally be here. Let me just be that. Maybe that will make me feel more like I have a purpose in this space. And so I did. And that was a whole other unfolding. Fast forward to now, I have been the CEO and president of the Economic Club for almost a decade of my life. And I've seen a lot of changes and transitions happen, not only in this country, but through the organization. And the Lunar Club is a place and a space where I started to connect with other people and especially women that were finding themselves feeling like they were living kind of two lives, the life of who they really were and the life that they were pretending to be in business or at work. And I realized that we all do this in some way, that we all kind of wear these masks and we all pretend and you know, try to blend in. And I was doing the same thing for so, so long. And this space, this, this podcast, this everything, I think it's, I think it's about me realizing that everything that's happened in my life up until now, even the things that don't make sense, they actually are perfect in every way. And I was never supposed to be the average status quo president and CEO of the Economic Club. It seems so ridiculous to even think that I ever could fit that mold, although I tried so hard for so many years. It wasn't until 2017 when my entire life, and it sounds like my life almost fell apart a few times here, but 2017, my life changed. I had my second awakening of my life. So first one at 15 led me to this path. Next one, 2017, I was in the middle of the Arctic Ocean with the Junior Economic Club doing a huge reconciliation camp in Nunavut with an incredible group of young people from all across the territory of Nunavut and from all across Ontario. And we were up camping and living on this beautiful piece of land in the middle of the Arctic. And we were talking about important issues like equality and reconciliation and all these things that had become just so important to me. And a few weeks before that trip, I had celebrated my my 10-year wedding anniversary And I had gone to Italy. It was my first time going to Europe. And right before we were about to leave on the trip, I landed in the hospital. I was very sick. I was in so much pain in my stomach. And I had an emergency scope. And they stick a little camera down your throat. They also stuck one up my bum, but we don't have to talk about that. But my stomach lining was eroding. And what you know, the doctor said to me was that I was going to have to have a major lifestyle change in order to figure this all out. And really the truth was I was drinking an incredible amount despite everything that I was doing and running my businesses. And now being a mother of two at this point, I was running like crazy during the weeks. I was doing everything, managing these organizations and a team and whatever else. And I was in the evenings and on the weekends, very much binge drinking and not treating myself very well and not managing my stress and really still running from a lot of the same little shadows and fears that I had been running from for my entire life. 
and I was swallowing a lot of my truth. I was not, I was just not being me. I was not being authentically me in every space that I found myself in. And I was wearing a mask. And when we went into the Arctic in 2017, I'll skip all the drama of it, but we ended up getting caught in a very, very bad storm and it was extremely scary. And I thought that maybe something really bad could happen. I thought someone was going to get seriously hurt. I, you know, literally thought someone could die. I could die. And in that moment, I had this great awakening experience. I almost felt like I saw my life flash before my eyes. And I wondered if it all ended here right now, right in this minute, how would I feel? And the truth was not good because there was still a part of me that I was running from. There was still a part of me that I wasn't expressing, that I wasn't using. And I just had this very, very deep knowing in my heart that day that I had to make yet another big change. And I came back from that experience and it was intense and some people from our crew were hospitalized and I was very, very sick and my stomach was so bad I could barely even drink water. And I just knew that, you know, I had to quit drinking. I knew that I needed to get out of what was at the time a marriage that wasn't fulfilling me and I needed to make some serious life changes. And it was that year that I started to get honest with myself and I started to really dig down and ask myself the question, why am I here? Why am I the CEO of the Economic Club of Canada? Why has my life led me on all these twists and turns to this particular path? And if I'm just supposed to pretend to be like everyone else, then I'm going to die. And the end result was... I just couldn't pretend anymore. I started to be just more unapologetic in my leadership, more more of myself and trying to discover who that was. And the Lunar Club was started shortly thereafter. And it started to become this space where I revealed more of myself, my truth, rather than the mask that I felt that I had to wear to be the CEO of this very important organization. And bold, yes, maybe, because you know you represent a brand. And so these two things, they didn't really mix. Who I was and what the brand represented, it didn't really seem to fit together. But what I realized as I began to be more of me in these spaces is that that in and of itself, that was radical. That sometimes when we're trying to break the mold of a system or we're trying to change something, just being ourselves is changing it. Even if you don't do anything else at all, but just show up and be you. And so as I started to embrace that, I started to notice a shift of people around me starting to embrace me in a different way. I started to feel more confident for the first time in so long. I started to feel more like I was on the right path. And so the Lunar Club is a place where I hope we can get to know each other. You'll definitely get to know me more and and different pieces of my life and things that I've learned and things that I want to share. But in the end, this whole 
the whole purpose behind us gathering is because I believe that it is time for us to revolutionize the system by being ourselves. I believe it's time for us to start talking about the truth, the pain, the desires, the things that happen in our hearts, the things that scare us, the things that keep making us feel small. And if we say them aloud, and if we realize that you're having that same fear as I'm having, that fear starts to dissipate. And I think that there is so much power in community, so much power in sharing our stories and coming together. So this is the beginning of mine. And I invite you each and every week to tune in. I really don't know exactly where it's all going to go, but I know that it's time to put this out into the world and maybe it'll do something, maybe it won't, but I think it's already doing something for me. So that's enough. And I look forward to seeing you again, or I guess that's weird because I'm not seeing anybody, (laughs) but I look forward to connecting and I'm here. And I'm here to just be me. And I hope that you can be you. And everyone that comes onto the podcast or is a part of this community is just free to be themselves. And I think that's a really great place to start. So I will be seeing you very soon. Thanks for listening.